Yeah, I'd do it in a heartbeat. Who wouldn't do it? And why wouldn't you do it? Good morning to you. Good Thursday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this is Daily Shot of Pirates. It comes your way bright and early every weekday. If you're into football and or hockey, I also offer up Daily Shots of Steelers and Penguins where you found this. I ended yesterday's episode by reading a question from a listener about Andrew McCutcheon, and I basically punted on it by saying, you know, I'll talk about it if and when the Phillies decide that they'll buy out the final year of his contract and cast him into free agency, and lo and behold, what happens by the afternoon? The Phillies announced that they are not picking up Kutch's club option for the coming year, which was supposed to be $15 million, and instead will buy it out for $3 million. And that does, in fact, mean that Kutch is on the open market, available to anybody once free agency begins four days from now. And Kutch himself went on to Twitter to share three words with everyone. Not done yet. Which, by the way, was followed by just this endless list of replies from Pittsburghers pretty much begging Kutch to come home, to come back to where he belongs, uh, to finish his career in Pittsburgh, to finish what he started, et cetera, et cetera. It was really actually it was a lot of fun to go through it. And it's a lot of fun to think about number 22 being back here. You know, he meant a lot to this franchise, not just as an individual, not just as a National League MVP, but maybe even more prominently as the guy who ended the 20 years of losing, the guy who, when the Pirates ended that streak, a lot of people forget this. They all talk about the blackout game and everything, but when that streak ended, when the Pirates won the 82nd game that year and Kutch raised his arms to the heavens and looked up (laughs) like the streak is over, as if he'd been here for the whole 20 years, but that's the way he took it. He wanted to be that guy who ended it. It'd be great. It'd be great. There's no... I I don't even know what the negative is to it, Kutch being back. If there were outfielders in this system, like at any level of this system, that you'd have to worry about blocking, then I could kind of see, you know, that it would be a little you know, cringeworthy. But there aren't any. Who's he going to block? Jared Oliva? Travis Swaggerty? Who's he blocking? Nobody. Ben Gamble. That's who he'd be blocking. Kutch has become a left fielder. It's something that he, you know, probably should have been earlier in his career when Starling Marte was the superior defender during both of their years here together in Pittsburgh. But he's become that. He's become a good left fielder defensively. 
the question is, how much do you pay him relative to where his offensive performance was in 2021 and where it's likely to go, given that he'll be in his age 35 season. This portion of Daily Shot of Pirates is brought to you by North Shore Tavern, directly across Federal Street from PNC Park, home of Steak on a Stone, home of just a great atmosphere in which to watch sports on TV. And I know baseball's done. The baseball memorabilia on the walls will at least make you think of it. But the TVs will be on whatever it is that you want. College football, hockey, NFL, you name it. There's tons of them, both at North Shore Tavern and, I should mention, at Mike's Beer Bar, the companion venture right next door, both owned by Mike Sukic, both proud, independent Pittsburgh businesses worthy of your support. Check out North Shore Tavern right across Federal Street from PNC Park. Kutch's numbers with the Phillies in 2021 were, well, they were very 2021. How's that for an adjective? Meaning where baseball is these days. Lots of power, lots of walks, low average. That's that's baseball right now. Touch batted 222. And if this were 1975, you would begin and end the conversation right there by saying he stinks, he's not worth it. But he had 27 home runs. 15 of those on the road, by the way, away from Philly's band box. 80 RBIs, a 334 on base percentage that was fueled by the 81 walks that he drew. If there was a striking and concerning shortcoming to his game this past year in Philadelphia, I would point more toward his deficiencies against right-handed pitchers than anything else. Most of his power came to the opposite field, and again, that's not unusual. We saw that in Pittsburgh as well. But almost everything that he hit was off lefties and out in that direction. And that's that's an area where you'd, you'd be a little bit worried because, obviously, at PNC Park, you have the big notch and all that other stuff, and you do need to be able to drive the ball. As Kebrian Hayes found out kind of the hard way this past summer, although he was dealing with the wrist issue and everything else you still see that you have to be able to pull the ball in order to succeed in Pittsburgh as a right-handed hitter. But really, the fit is still there. If the Phillies deemed Kutch as not being worth $15 million when they had him and they held his rights... And oh, by the way, they really liked him, and he was very popular. And the other half of all those Twitter replies to Kutch saying he's not done was from sad-slash-mad Phillies fans who really, really wanted him back. But the Phillies deemed him not worth $15 million. So what would he be on the open market? Is he a $10 million guy? Oh, and by the way, 
If he is somebody's $10 million guy, chances are excellent that that team will be one that has basically limitless spending ability because they won't care the way the Phillies did, how much he'd be making. But in turn, let's say that team is the Dodgers or the Yankees and the handful of teams that can do that. Are they going to be starting Kutch? Remember, it takes two to reach this agreement. Does Kutch want to be a bench guy at this point in his career? I seriously doubt that. I seriously doubt that. He's going to want to start. He's going to want to start. Does he really need to go for the cash? That's not really a trait of his that I picked up on in having known him since he was 18 years old. I think he's going to end up going where he's happiest. And I can't imagine that he'd be happier anywhere than in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I really believe that. I'm not trying to drum something up here. I'm not trying to get anybody's hopes up. To me, this makes way too much sense. It makes too much sense for Ben Charrington and his staff to bring back a model citizen. A player who, by the way, Bob Nutting himself said he wished he could have signed to a lifetime contract. Go ahead and laugh at that, but he said it. It's on the record. He feels that strongly, I can promise you this, about Kutch as a person. You have a chance to, oh, I mean, you don't, this isn't about righting or wrong. I mean, Neil Huntington made a lot of bad trades, but this sure wasn't one of them. I mean, when you get Brian Reynolds for Kutch, that is a W and a half. That is a, that's a five-star trade for Huntington there. But you do right the wrong of Kutch ever having played in somebody else's uniform. You know, you could talk about those things on parallel tracks. There's no reason for the team not to pursue it. There's no reason for the player to not consider it, except for one big variable. And that's if Kutch's goal for the remainder of his career will be just to get a ring. If that's the case, this, this isn't the fit. Because no matter how optimistic you'd be about what the Pirates are going to have in two, three years or whatever, now you're talking about Kutch being 37, 38, 39 years old, whatever it is, and, and, and we're getting into you know, really, really stretching things. If he's looking to get a ring, this isn't the place. If he's looking to cement legacy, to be happy, to help the Pirates for a second time get out of a deep, dark hole, then this is the place, and it really needs to happen. When we come back, just one question. question and rj1q for the day comes from dj martina who asks which pirates prospects should we expect to see at 
PNC next year. Prospects can be defined a lot of different ways, DJ, so I'm not sure exactly which criteria to assign to your question. If you're talking about O'Neill Cruz and Rowanzi Contreras, those guys made it. Now, I understand, you know, one of them made it for three innings and the other one made it for a weekend, but they made it. They're here. There are people who, when they define prospects, instantly eliminate that status upon arrival, unless it's some sort of short-term injury fill thing like what we saw with Rodolfo Castro earlier in the summer. I'm going to categorize those guys as prospects and tell you that they're going to be here in 2022 and not break any ground whatsoever in doing so. So let's go a little bit beyond those two and look at who else would be plausible to participate in a certain portion of the season. You know, not necessarily... Uh, you know, a cameo or a late September arrival like what we saw with those two guys, but who could actually make an impact. Um, I laughed off Swaggerty in the first segment, but that's only because I don't put him in, you know, any kind of cutch-type category. Swaggerty, of course, had the shoulder injury that cost him almost all of the 2021 baseball schedule. I believe he'll start out in Indianapolis. I believe he'll have to hit his way to Pittsburgh. I believe that that could happen. The catch with Swaggerty is that you're not going to bring him up to put him on the bench. And that's one of the reasons that you got to be kind of careful with your outfield makeup in general. For example, if you do bring Andrew McCutcheon back, are you also bringing Ben Gamble back? Because now you've got three guys. Or does Gamble go to your bench? Or what do you do with Yoshi Tsutsugo if you bring him back and there's no DH? There's all kinds of moving parts here. But what you don't want to do with any prospect is bring them up to put them on the bench. That makes no sense whatsoever. I know fans will advocate for it on occasion. Get that guy up because he's better than um, Wilmer Defoe or whoever. It doesn't matter. Defoe is a professional bench guy. You know, that's a skill unto itself. You're not bringing up a prospect and then stunting their development because they're better than Wilmer Defoe or have more potential. So Swaggerty's one guy. Uh, Mason Martin, I guess, could be another. You know, if he keeps slugging moonshots the way he did, you know, all through the system, Last year, if he can get his strikeout numbers down even a little bit, even just a little bit, he's eminently capable of hitting his way up to Pittsburgh. Pitching-wise, it's a little tougher because most of those guys have already been here. Like, again, if you want to call Max Kranick a prospect, Kranick's got a very, very good chance of pitching in Pittsburgh in 2022. If you don't look at him that way, then he's not that guy. But for the most part, and this is the last of the remnants of the the Huntington minor league system, Indianapolis still doesn't have much. Indianapolis doesn't have a whole lot of cause for excitement. And it's going to be a while until you see 
you know, the Altoona players and certainly the ones who starred in Greensboro this past season make it. But if you're asking about, you know, the main guys, the ones that everybody's really looking forward to, uh, meaning mostly the Greensboro pack, Quinn Priester, Nick Gonzalez, Lyover Peguero, these guys, that's not happening in 2022. If it does, it'd be amazing. I mean, on any of those fronts, but I'm not seeing that. So I don't think there's going to be some great big caravan of prospects coming through, but I do think that the ones that I've mentioned, in particular, Cruz and Contreras, they're going to have an impact. They're going to have an impact, and the Pirates, as a result, are going to have a very different feel once they arrive, and they arrive for good. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Pirates. Let's do another one tomorrow. Thank you.